right now on the Ringer Gambling Feed and all throughout the entire month of August, the East Coast Bias Boys are getting you ready to bet the NFL this season. We're going through each and every single division and revealing our favorite futures, predicting division winners, and even giving you some award winners. Do we think the Kansas City Chiefs will repeat or will they be dethroned? Tune in now to find out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. Ready to find your next favorite podcast? Spotify makes it easier than ever to discover new favorites by previewing short audio clips before committing to a full listen. You can even watch some podcasts with video or just keep playing audio in the background. It's everything you want in one app. Music, podcasts, and audiobooks across any device. Play anytime, anywhere, any way you'd like with Spotify. Try today. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a late Thursday. Early Friday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. John Stremsky, rocking and rolling right here on the Ringer and the Ringer Podcast Network. And I think I'm going to start this show in a much different way than I normally do from this standpoint. There's always so many ways you can come on and discuss the ineptitude and the lost cause and the disaster that is the 2023 New York Yankees, which we will get to uh, in a little bit because I do have some thoughts on what you've seen over the last couple of days. But for me, at least, I I feel like today's pod is like this like ultimate stream of consciousness for me where I have like so many different little thoughts on so many different things that are going on. So I'm just going to kind of spitfire Get it all out there. You guys take it for what it's worth. Some of them you're going to love. Some of my takes you're going to hate. And then we let the world go around and do what we do on this particular Thursday and the Friday show. Um, First things first. Hard knocks on Tuesday. Every Jet fan in my life, it's like Jet porn, basically, okay? The excitement and the ooze factor that I have from Jet fans on Twitter. Jeff fans that I know, all of these text threads I'm in. I have not seen this in Jetland in over a decade. Not the Fitzpatrick year, not, not anything we saw the last couple of years, not even the first year of Sam Darnold. This 
year with Aaron Rodgers has now been ratcheted up to a point where like Jeff fans are just oozing for this season to start. And the one thing I would say is, look, Hornox did a phenomenal job of making Aaron Rodgers seem super cool and super likable. They did. But I think Aaron Rodgers has kind of hit on this, and he did if you watch some of his interactions. Like, this is the honeymoon stage, baby. It's the honeymoon stage for the fans. It's the honeymoon stage for Aaron Rodgers. It's this, like, ultimate kumbaya partnership that you have between the Jet quarterback, the fan base, as you start to build that much more excitement for the start of the 2023 season. Aaron Rodgers said in Hard Knocks, they love me now. We'll see how those feelings are, depending on how the Jets get out of the gate with Buffalo, at the Cowboys, home against the New England Patriots, home against the Kansas City Chiefs, and on and on we go. The other takeaway I had from Hard Knocks is, uh, aside from the fact that every Jet fan in my life is delirious, is they're trying to make this case, and they have in the media now for the last couple of months, and they definitely, in my opinion, tried making this case on Hard Knocks, this idea that Zach Wilson is all of a sudden going to become salvageable because of the tutelage of Aaron Rodgers, because of the lessons he's going to learn with Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett, and on and on we go. Can I see Zach Wilson, whenever he gets an opportunity, play and play well before all of a sudden he's going to turn his career back around? Like, people are jumping the gun way too much with that. And I get it. When it's in front of your face and you're watching it on hard knocks, like, it's it's too easy to avoid, you know? Like, it's just like, the it's right in front of your face. You're like, oh, well, maybe if everything goes great, you get a couple of years of Rodgers and you turn it back over to Zach Wilson. It's way more complicated than that. My advice to all the Jeff fans out there, and I know I am not delirious like you. I am not rooting for the same team. I am not a part of your fan base. I know I'm an outsider when it comes to this. Enjoy your QB1. Don't try to get greedy in telling me that you have QB1 and that QB2 is going to be revitalized. Let's, Let's stop with that narrative until I see Zach Wilson go on an NFL field and knock my socks off. When he does that, I'll be the first to give you credit because people who were floating that narrative out there were the same people a couple of months ago saying he was the worst quarterback maybe in the history of the franchise. So it's amazing how that sort of stuff in many ways comes full circle. But the Jets now are in a spot where because of this television show, and it's not their fault, they did nothing wrong, they had absolutely no choice in taking hard knocks, the expectations that were going to be pretty off the charts to begin with, with Aaron Rodgers being in the fold. I think you're going to go to another gear once this season gets underway. Jeff fans in my life, I tell them, oh, you're in a playoffs, you're in a playoff game. Most of them are saying, no, JJ, that's not good enough. I want more. I want Aaron Rodgers taking me on a deep and extended ride into the postseason. And That requires a couple of different things. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be the quarterback he was two years ago? Is he going to play like a guy who has something to prove? I think you're going to see that this year. But can the Jets get an effective run game and have a competent offensive line that's going to hold up? They're going to need both of those elements to be in play in order for them to thrive. We know they have the top-level talent. Rodgers' top-level talent. Wilson, 
who is the real deal. Sauce Gardner, who, for my money, at the end of this year, is going to be the best cornerback in the NFL. The elite-level talent is on this team. But no run game, no line play? You're not winning. And you're not winning at the level you want to win at. So, Jeff fans, not used to this. I'm not going to lie. This dynamic of the Jets being optimistic and positive and gushing all of these like crazy, excited, happy emojis and adjectives. I'm just not used to living in that world. But we are living in that world going into the 2023 season. So uh, I enjoyed Hard Knocks. Listen, it was Jeff Van Porn for 45, 50 minutes, but that's what we'll be doing over the next couple of weeks. A couple other thoughts. I watched the Manziel documentary. Just now. I literally just finished about an hour, an hour and a half ago. I highly recommend it on Netflix. Highly, highly recommend it on Netflix. And Manziel was as fun as anybody in college football. Like, when I think about guys that I loved watching in college, Johnny Manziel is easily in the top three. The win at Alabama, the money sign, even with some of the antics, like he was the ultimate frat boy. You wanted to root for Johnny Manziel to go and kill it. I th- Full disclosure, I thought he was going to kill it in the NFL. But this doc does a fabulous job of just detailing how troubled he was, how he went down that wrong path, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And the fact that an NFL quarterback was spending zero minutes of watching any game film. Imagine thinking you're going to be successful as an NFL head quarter, uh, an NFL quarterback watching zero game film. Do yourself a favor. If you were a fan of college football in like the last decade and you like stories of, you know, the trials and tribulations of a professional athlete from their perspective, you get a lot on the Johnny Menzel stuff. So I watched that. I watched the winning time premiere with the Lakers show where it was great. I mean, listen, Adrian Brody is Pat Riley. does a really good job. The character who plays Magic, I think is great. It's setting up to be a lot of fun. You're going to have to deal with some historical inaccuracies for the sake of the television show. Peter Lugers and my buddy Eamon McEnany pointed this out to me. The idea that they're saying it's in Manhattan. Come on, it's insulting to my intelligence. And then the decorum, my guy Ronald Lugers would be disgusted. It looked like it was some... uh, neon 1970s restaurant, not the iconic Peter Lugers, but they did throw a little Peter Lugers reference into the show. So I enjoyed watching that earlier in the week. Um, and, and I have so much I need to watch. I haven't seen Barbie yet. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. I haven't seen the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie. So like my pop culture stuff needs to really step up in a big way over the next few weeks because we have a big wedding coming up in less than three weeks. And then once the wedding ends, it's basically all systems go for the start of the 2023 NFL football season. So I'm running out of time to like tie up some loose ends on a pop culture standpoint. And I started Hijack, which is phenomenal. That's the other show I started watching over the last couple of days. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm two episodes in. It doesn't exactly have me thrilled waiting to get on an airplane in about three weeks to go out to Las Vegas to sign up for the uh, circuit contest, but that's my problem. 
So if you are okay with the idea of seeing a plane hijacking and you know you're going to be traveling, you want like high intense television for 45 to 55 minutes, definitely check Hijack out. Now, parting thought here before we get to some calls, then we're going to have Tony Richardson and do what we usually do on a Thursday. Some of you are probably wondering why I'm burying the lead a little bit with the New York Yankees. Truth, sure. Fair and balanced. Honest. I'm done with the 2023 New York Yankees, emotionally. Obviously, we're going to talk about them. I'm sure I'm going to rant and rave. But I have, and I did this a couple of weeks ago, and it really has hit home Watching the Yankees after this series against the Astros, I told you on Sunday they go, they need to go and sweep the series in order to take this team even a smidge seriously. Not only did they not win the series, they lose two out of three to one of the worst teams in the American League. A team, oh, by the way, that traded everybody away. A team that's supposed to be dysfunctional with Rondal and getting a punch in the face by Tim Like The team is a mess. And yet here we are, and the Yankees can't beat this team two out of three games. The Yankees are done. I saw this because somebody brought it to my attention on Twitter, and it makes it makes perfect sense. Listen, listen to this nugget for the New York Yankees. The Yankees are one seven and three in their last eleven series. The only series win the Yankees have is against the Kansas City Royals. The Kansas City Royals, who one of the worst teams. In baseball, a team that's going to lose well north of 100 games. Why am I supposed to believe the Yankees have even a prayer of getting back into this wild card race? They're down two starting pitchers. They can't hit. They can't win series. The only excitement you get is Aaron Boone doing his best Laz Diaz impression. I wish Aaron Boone was as good as a manager, as he is in person and umpires to get into managerial scuffles, because he's great at that. If he actually had more redeeming qualities as a big league manager, maybe his job would not be called into question. And, you know, I saw this a couple of different places. Oh, it'd be unfair. Unfair if the Yankees let go of Aaron Boone. We're talking about the New York Yankees here. We all know the biggest root of the problem is their front office and their analytics and their scouting and the job performance of Brian Keshin. We all know that is problem one for the New York Yankees. But to sit there and make the argument that Aaron Boone is not a problem for the New York Yankees, you haven't watched the team over the last six, seven years. And then you're also a believer in that these contracts should be limitless, that you might as well just give these guys lifetime contracts. Because where is the accountability going to be from Yankee ownership if this season goes into the tank, which it's well on its way to doing? It should be everybody. We all know that. But if you believe and read the reports that came out over the last couple of days, which Bob Clappish basically detailed, he's well-connected, he's very well-respected as far as a baseball columnist is concerned. And basically, Clapp told you, he doesn't see any way Cashman gets fired. And that if this season goes poorly, that the fall guy is going to be Aaron Boone. And I know for some of you, that's not going to be enough. Listen, for me, that's not going to be enough. But there's a narrative out there saying, oh, well, if you're not going to fire Cashman, then you might as well bring back the Yankee manager. That's where I disagree. 
Because when you have a season as bad as this season has been, there needs to be somebody who pays the price. That's it. To the Yankees, you have the highest payroll in the American League. You're in last place. You have been unwatchable all season. You are moving further away, not closer to a championship goal. Somebody has to pay the price for that. That's that's the way it is. Whether that's fair, unfair, it should be everybody. Somebody's got to pay the price because you can't change all the players. And that's the harsh reality for the Yankees. You know, people live in La La Land or trade John Carlos Stanton. He's got a full no trade. Trade DJ LeMayu. He's untradeable. Where are these guys going? They're not not going anywhere. So I am leery and not particularly optimistic about next year being much better than this year. I'm not. I'm not. So somebody's going to have to pay for what I've watched over 100-plus games. Yankees get ready for the Marlins this weekend. And then they go to Atlanta for three. And then they come home, play the Red Sox. They get a couple of games with the Washington Nationals. And listen, no games are given for the Yankees. They just lost two out of three to the Chicago White Sox. And then the weekend of my wedding, they're playing Tampa. There is a very good chance we are talking about the Yankees dead and buried going into the month of September. And if that's the case, good. Get us to the start of the football season. And then we have to think long and hard on this show. And we have to put our collective minds together on where this baseball team goes from here. And one note, too. I've seen a lot of this. Stop with the nonsense that the Mets all of a sudden would have been in this wild card race and had a chance to be a wild card team. Can we, can we please stop with that? You want to tell me they'd be where the San Diego Padres are at right now? That's fine. The Mets showed you no reason to believe that they were going to go on an extended run and that they were going to go deep into August, September, and dare I say October and win games in the playoffs. There's a lot of false narratives coming out, and that's what happens when you're in August and you're in this like weeding period before the start of the football season. That is a narrative that is just totally off base. And good for the Mets sending Beatty down. Listen, I thought Beatty would rake. I thought Beatty would be really good here. I have no problem that they gave him a chance. He didn't do the job. And the idea of him getting a reset is not the worst thing here. Does not mean his career is over. Does not mean he's a total flop. He needs to reset. When he was as bad as he was over the weekend against the Orioles, he needs to reset. So uh, I'll commend the Mets on that. All right, let's take a couple of calls. Uh, 917-382-1151. We'll have Tony Richardson coming up in a little bit. Uh, let's hear him stop. Hey, JJ, Charlie Elmhurst calling me. And shout out to Anthony Syosset. Uh, I'm pretty sure you know what's happening uh, with him. Uh, congratulations to him. Uh, proud of you, Anthony. Love you, Anthony. And calling in Yankees, I mean, pathetic. You shouldn't be surprised losing the series to the White Sox. Second time they lost to the series. And at this point, JJ, I know this thing you said, like, you can't be losing games, like, to the garbage team, like the White Sox. Shouldn't be surprised. This thing I've seen, you've seen this thing lose to the Cardinals dead last. Cubs at the time, which think, well, I, Rockies, Angels who, who went on a tank since the trade deadline got swept. And when the, you know, game matters more, it's like lose series to the Orioles, Tampa Bay, split with the Astros. I mean, this team, I mean, this team deserve what they get. And 
this team doesn't game, take games seriously. Well, like, I mean, they're like serious, like they're they're delusional after like, oh, we're gonna make the playoffs and on and on and on. This team deserves what they get. Like sending Severino around at any capacity, whether starting out of the bullpen, when the game matters, can't be sent out there. So and garbage, garbage. He's done. I don't want to see him ever again, especially unless the mop up duty. That's it. And today's game, bone training game, like it's been like, you know, you know, when the game is like, you know, striking distance, still down five to two, sending stiffs like uh Albert Brain the eighth inning, then low to bases and go Rick Rochers. Really? If you can if you're serious enough to get that team in the game and keep it keep it right there, Clay Holmes should be pitching. So that's those are the things, man. And like the whole Redon thing is just like garbage. And you got like uh ever since that David Garcia who got recently DFA, like they he did they this organization destroyed his career, basically, with that stupid J Hap opener in that ALDS game two. I mean, really, really, they destroyed his career. So this team is on a sink. Sink. So we're gonna have NCC in September. I'm just done with this thing. I'm just really done with the thing. Uh so Harrison Bader, uh uh uh, what is that? If you keep playing playing Blanner baseball, it's gonna be fine. Well, from the Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, I know you're trouble. Uh, except change the lyrics, uh, the end part. Uh, the joke is on you. Hey! Ah, uh, imagine if I didn't go to Taylor Swift this year. Ah, uh, what a miserable. But that's the thing I can't look back to. So yeah, right. Love Taylor, man. Great thing to happen. So besides that, I'm done with the Yankees thing. Thank goodness for Taylor. All right, man. JJ, keep it up, man. See ya. Well, Charlie, I'm glad you got some Taylor Swift in there. Uh, I'm happy to hear that. Second of all, uh, congratulations. Anthony and Syosset had uh, his third child. So you bring that up. I guess you saw that on Instagram. Beautiful baby girl. So congratulations to our buddy Anthony and Syosset on his new arrival. Um, And this is where I'm actually going to defend the Yankees a smidge. I had no problem with the idea of trying an opener on Wednesday. Maybe that jump starts Severino. I think that was their thought process and their logic. He's been awful. Maybe if we go with an opener, maybe it gives a different look. Maybe we get Seve going. He didn't get Seve going. He is awful. He is, statistically speaking, the worst pitcher in the American League. There's no salvaging it. I don't think there's anything he can do. It's tough. This is a guy the Yankees expected big things out of, and I'm sure Severino expected big things out of himself knowing he's going into a free agent year and how bitterly disappointed he must be. But the results are the results. And the fact that Johnny Burrito or Randy Vasquez is a better option than Luis Severino, that should tell you all you need to know about the state of affairs with the Yankee rotation. Plus a lineup that doesn't score runs. And... You can't take the team seriously when you have that record in your last 10 series and the only series win you have is against Kansas City Royals. But all of a sudden, you're going to go make up five games in a wild card race? Like, give me a break. Give me a break. Worst season of Yankee baseball in my lifetime. Worst season. It's not even close. And I'm, I saw this today, too. This drove me nuts. Not a single Yankee fan Gives a rat's ass about if they keep this winning season streak alive. I saw our buddy, Martino, had this piece on SNY earlier today. God bless him. More power to him. About the streak. And yes, we may never see a streak like this for 50 years. That, that That's all well and good. 
I don't care about it anymore. The Yankees have a one in 13 years. They've taken a ton of steps back over the last couple of years. The Yankees go 83 and 79. Big effing deal. Who cares? At this point, I almost would rather see a losing season because I think it would trigger even more change. No Yankee fan is sitting there actively rooting for that streak to maintain and continue. Like, at the end of the year, at that point, just burn it all down. Burn it all down. All right, who's next? JJ, what's going on? It's Tyler from Syracuse. I wanted to ask you your thoughts. I'm assuming you may or may not have heard uh, Bill from Los Angeles' pod from Sunday, or Monday, rather, uh, him and Rosillo doing the whole drafting of protected players for expansion teams and how that would unfold. And I was curious your thoughts on, for the two New York teams, who would be the eight protected guys should there be an expansion draft in the coming years? It seems like it's going to happen sooner rather than later. So if you were the Knicks and the Nets, who would you protect from each roster, assuming, let's say, the draft were to happen tomorrow and you had to protect eight guys on each roster? I'm curious as what you think. I thought the from the Knicks' standpoint, with, with Simmons and Rosillo were saying, that would be down to Grimes, Hardenstein, and McBride seemingly to be like the three guys for one spot would be very interesting because, I mean, Grimes is a great shooter. Uh, Hardenstein is a good inside rim protector, which the Knicks need out along with Randall and Mitchell. Um, and then McBride seems to be someone who can get some good sparkman off the bench. So just curious on your thoughts. I would pick Grimes in that instance by the way, but curious your thoughts later. So I did not hear this podcast. I saw it subtitled, so I haven't had a chance to listen. You know, I pick my spots now. It's it's tough to consume all this content. When you're doing everything that we're doing around here, like I, I, I'm more likely to listen to like the OC podcast than I am a sports podcast until football season starts and I need the lines and all that stuff. Uh, if I'm going to protect four guys on the Knicks, Brunson, without question, you would protect Barrett. Now, you could make the argument that you would not protect Randall because you would want somebody maybe to take that contract from you. You could make that argument. So I, I don't know what the parameters and the terms are. If it's four guys that I would protect, I would definitely protect Grimes because to me, he's an ascending player. He's a guy who's not making a lot of money. That's somebody I want as a part of the core as a 3 and D guy. So if I'm going to go Brunson, Grimes, Barrett, and then I'd have to protect one more guy? Would it be Robinson? Would it be Hart? Now, I also don't know what the parameters and the terms are here. Is it guys coming off your bench? Is it excluding starting fives? I, I, I don't know. So, like, I didn't listen to the podcast, so I can't really speak on the details. So, if we're taking starting five out of it, right? Like, well, you're not talking about any of the guys that are starting five. You got to live with a guy like Hartenstein. I, he's a winning player. He's a useful player, but you know you you let him go, and you might even let a guy like Quickly go, even though he's very useful and he's very talented. But it sure seems like the Knicks higher on Grimes' two way ability than they are on Quickly's two way ability, and they like Grimes a lot more in his postseason. Quickly had a bad postseason. Quickly was on his way to being sixth man of the year, and then stunk up the joint in the playoffs. To the point where if the Knicks do make a trade somewhere down the road, he's going to be the name you hear a lot. 
because Brunson's the point guard. There are teams that might envision Emmanuel quickly as like a starting point guard down the road. Not really his role. Much more of an instant offense kind of guy, but he's going to get paid. There's no doubt. Quickly he's going to get paid at some point in time. Probably more than he deserves to get paid, but that's life in the NBA these days. Interesting. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go and check that podcast out. All right, let's take one more. Hey, JJ. Ryan in Myrtle Beach here. Uh, the Yankees, man. Last night was tough. Um, admittedly, I think I'm still kind of in on the season. I am going to the game next week in Atlanta, taking the five-hour drive uh, west. I already bought the tickets. already paid for the hotel. What am I going to do? Uh, mainly, I want to talk about Stanton, John Carlos Stanton. It's a mess, man. I mean, the team was so likable in 2017, and I know it seemed like a big-ticket item, like this is the freshest over the home. He is just so brutal, not making it home the other day. I want to talk about his contract. Well, technically, there are one, two, three, four more years left, right? The fifth year is a team option or a buyout. There's two more years left at $32 million each. Fine. 2026-2027, he's making $29 million and $25 million. Out of those years, the Marlins are supposed to pay $10 million. So is there any chance that the Yankees release Stan after 2025? They'd have to pay him $19 million in 2026, 15 uh, in 2027, and then 2028 is a $10 million buyout, which is also by the Marlins. I think it's very possible you might see him released after 2025. I know it's kind of far down the road, but curious to hear what you have to say about that. Thanks, man. Love you. Ryan, God bless you for still being in on this Yankee season. God bless. Uh, I am not. I understand you have the tickets and you booked the trip. And there's nothing you could do about that sort of circumstances. But as far as like emotionally having hope that this team could go amount to anything, there is no chance in the world you're getting me to do so. I am as out as can be on the 2023 New York Yankees. Um, As far as Stanton, look. If he continues to look the way he's played over the last two years, you would explore every avenue of a buyout as quickly as humanly possible. But the big misconception that's out there is, oh, the Yankees, they could just eat money and then find a trade partner. He's got a full no trade. So it is going to require, moving John Carlos Stanton requires somebody actually to want John Carlos Stanton. And it's not as simple as, oh, They'll be takers. Really? Who? Before you tell me the Dodgers, why are the Dodgers going to be bending over backwards to bring in Giancarlo Sen? With the way he's looked the last two years, I would not make that move. That would be front office malpractice if you're Andrew Friedman and company. The Yankees are stuck with a lot of these guys and how they handle that and how they try to transition and still build around Aaron Judge and still build around Garrett Cole going to be a fascinating proposition. To me, there's one or two ways to do it. You buy your way out of your problems, which could work for a year, but long-term, it normally does not. Or you really just hope and pray that your farm system is going to start turning up answers. The problem the Yankees have run into, they really haven't. Aaron Judge, to a lesser extent, Glaber Torres. And let's be fair about Glaber. He's probably been one of the best everyday players on the Yankees this year. After that, where's your player development taking you? 
Clark Schmidt has actually turned out to be one of the better minor league farm system finds. Who had Clark Schmidt as the second best Yankee starter on your bingo card in mid-August of 2023? Does that sum up the season in a nutshell or what? A team that was supposed to have Cole, who's done his job, and then some. Severino, who's been a monumental flop. Cortez, who got hurt. And Rodon, who they paid a gazillion dollars to. Clark Schmidt has been the second best Yankee starter. And you wonder why the Yankees are in the position that they're in. That and one of the most underachieving lineups that you're ever going to see. All right, this guy was on hard knocks. So I'm sure it comes full circle for him. He's around the Jets all the time doing all sorts of stuff for them. Uh, and he's a good buddy of mine. We've not had him on the pod. Uh, I see him all the time. The great Tony Richardson is up next. The dog days of summer are here and baseball season is heating up. So get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash NYNY to join today. So I gave you guys the Baltimore Orioles to win the World Series a couple weeks ago. I'm giving you another team to keep your eye on. The Red Hot. They've been sensational over the last two and a half weeks. The Seattle Mariners. They have found their stride. They have outstanding starting pitching. To get in the playoffs, they could be dangerous. You got good numbers, good values on them to win the AL in the World Series. I know I had them at the beginning of the year, but it's worth mentioning once again. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash NYNY to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Must be 21 plus in present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued is not withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash Sportsbook. So with the Jets now returning to Hard Knocks, I thought it was perfect timing to bring this guy on the show because the last time the Jets were in the playoffs, the last time (laughs) the Jets were on Hard Knocks, he was a part of the team. He had a great career, one of the best fullbacks, in my opinion, NFL history. Good buddy of mine, Tony Richardson. Welcome to New York, New York. What's up, pal? You know, I feel honored that this is my first time on the show. I mean, you you know, you're... You're blowing up. You're doing really well. So thank you so much for having me on. Well, I appreciate those kind words, number one. Uh, we're not looking for any uh, ego inflation. I saw enough of that with Aaron Rodgers. And <laughs> hey, I, don't think you, I, mean, I don't think you need ego inflation, so that's good. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll, I'll gladly take that, T-Rich. Um, <laughs> did you have an opportunity yet to watch Hard Knocks, uh, what we saw on Tuesday? Yeah, I did. Actually, I was, uh, I've been out of practice, what, three times or so. I saw him filming it. And interesting enough, I, some of the producers were still there from the time that, you know, they filmed, uh, you know, my year. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it, they, it was great, man. Like, I was on the edge of the couch, and, like, I almost started doing, going outside and running some wind sprints. I was like, shoot, I can get in there and maybe we can run a couple plays. But it looked like uh, a lot of optimism. Um, you know, it, you know, Hard Knocks obviously gone, you know, shut out all the beautiful things versus anything that happens bad. But, no, I was, I was excited to watch it, and, um, you know, I'm excited what, what the team's going to do this year. Yeah, so the vibe, and 
I'm hearing it from Jet fans who are in my life, and I totally understand why. There's a lot of talent on the team. The fan base fell in love with Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. How could you not, Tony? They're phenomenal players. They got personality. They're easy to root for. And then you go and add a guy who's won all these MVPs, and you know he's a Super Bowl champ, and he's a future Hall of Famer. So the optimism from Jet fans in my life is off the charts. Yeah. The optimism in Hard Knocks is off the charts. Is what we saw on camera being out of camp, and I know you've been out of camp way too many days over the last couple of weeks, is that a fair portrayal of what the vibe has been like at Jet Camp over these last few weeks? No, it's, it's definitely fair. Um, and the thing about it is because the people involved, uh, crazy enough, uh, so Paul Hackett was my offensive coordinator when I was with the Chiefs. Nathaniel Hackett was our ball boy. So I, it, for me, this is like family. So it's like I've seen, you know, I know the style of the offense. Obviously, it's kind of changed a little bit. One, because they don't have a fullback, but that's neither here nor there. But, um, you know, I I, understand, I know what the, the culture, which they're building. Uh, you add Aaron Rodgers to the mix. Um, I mean, just think about it, because, like, you know, uh, you know, when uh, my years and we had, we signed Brett Favre, it kind of was the same type of optimism because, like, everyone level of play was 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 risen. Because all of a sudden, it's like, you know what? My thing was, and this is, I tell people this all the time. I was like, you know what? If I have to protect Favre, I don't care if I have to wrangle someone from the back of their jersey and yank them down. I am not going to be the guy to get a Hall of Fame quarterback hit. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going out like that. I was like, there's no way they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Brett Favre's with the Jets. T. Rich missed a block, broke his spinal cord. Like, no, 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 no. So everyone's level of play as far as, you know, being on time, knowing where you're supposed to be, um, the attention to detail. When you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, it, I mean, even from the coaching standpoint, you know, you can see him joking with, like, Salah and things of that nature. Because all of a sudden, like, no one's been around. A, I mean, it's different. Like, it's a different level when, you know, I played with Warren Moon, Hall of Famer. Uh, played with Rich Gannon, you know, MVP. You know, I played with some really good quarterbacks and obviously Favre. But that level of play goes up to a higher level when you have a Hall of Famer around. So it's going to be exciting. You know, the biggest thing is, you know, the everyone's kind of really questioning the offensive line. That's the biggest thing. Not necessarily questioning, but, you know, you got to get five guys in there on the same accord. And if you do that, then, you know, because I don't care how great Aaron Rodgers is, if you're looking at the top of the stadium, <laughs> it ain't, it's not good for Jet fans. It's definitely not good for him. I'm glad you brought up Favre. He was your teammate in 2008. Yep. You guys got off to a great start that year. Yep. Then he got hurt. Chad comes back. Fond memory for me, of course, because the Dolphins yeah. go and beat you guys in week 17. I was yeah. in the building for that one. But I think, Tony, you know, Favre felt like didn't embrace New York yeah. the way Aaron has embraced New York. Like, dude, he's everywhere, man. He's at Carbone. He's <laughs> at the Nick game. He's at the Ranger game. He's at Broadway shows. Like, maybe that's just the difference in personalities between Brett Favre and what kind of guy he is. And Aaron, obviously, being a guy that is very comfortable and is A-OK with the ideas of, like, the cameras and whatnot being on him. But that comparison is always going to be there. They have two Hall of Famers. Yep. They're two former Packers. Now they're in their second stint playing somewhere else. When you were around Favre, was it, did he like the idea of being in New York? Or did you kind of just think, oh, he's here. He's worried about ball. It seems like Rodgers likes the idea of being Mr. New York. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I think it's a lot of it. I think there's so many things to unpack, you know, kind of what you said. But you got to imagine in, in 2008, like, 
everyone's like, oh, what's your Twitter account? It's like, what's Twitter? So you got to imagine, like, there wasn't, like, all the social media. You know, Favre is a country boy. He's a married man. He wore the same camouflage shorts to breakfast every day. Big pickup truck. He's not, you know, it's not his deal. And you got to imagine, like, and everyone's like, oh, Aaron is saying all the right things. Give me $60 million. You can put a script in front of me. I'm going to say everything you want me to say. So you get it. It's like, a, it's a different world. I mean, here's a guy that's single here in New York City. Um, you know, definitely a forward thinker. Um, and so I got a chance to kind of know a little bit about him because I played with Tony Gonzalez and Tony and Aaron played together at Cal. So they're, you know, so it's, and I kind of see the same similarities as far as, you know, the bright lights and all of that stuff. But, you know, Aaron's a single guy, um, you know, living in New York City. And why would, I mean, literally it's like you're playing with house money and it's like you, you know, and he has a, a young team. So it's like, I think it's a it's a newfound excitement for him. And really, they pretty much just said, this is your show and kind of giving him the, the, the key and the reins to kind of, you know, run it the way he wants to. So, um, but yeah, he looks, I mean, I saw him at practice, man. He looks like he's in incredible shape. His calves look like little balloons. Like he's, I mean, he's slinging it, man. He's uh, he's definitely bought in. But I think I think there's also something like having all these young, talented guys around. I mean, you got a Garrett Wilson there that is a dog. I mean, obviously, he was rookie of the year. And with three different quarterbacks. So, you know, those kind of things. And now you got a Hall of Fame guy around. I think it's uh, I think it's something special. And, you know, the biggest thing is just keeping him healthy. And, um, you know, I think, you know, he just bought that $9 million house. So I think he's going to be here for a while. Well, listen, real estate can be moved. We know that. <laughs> but it's a pain in the ass yeah, to move it, right, Tony. Right. Even if you're Aaron Rodgers, but if it's a one you're year not buying a $9 million house and you're staying here for one year. I but get that, bro. if you're here for one year, like, you just rent. It's only 16 weeks. Season's about to start. You're not invested in it. I mean... That's a lot. You got furniture. You got all, you got all this stuff. So this is a one year deal, man. Just stay at like like uh, even Sanchez. Sanchez stayed at you know uh, Trump's place, but obviously signed a big contract. You can easily. I mean, he could find a place. Greeny already said. Greeny already said that he would give him his entire apartment. So I mean, if he wanted just to do, or he got well, I guess I heard that he does. That he did got buy an apartment in Manhattan as well. So he has two places for, you know, I mean, you got, must be nice. You, right? Tony, you, know, you get you the $9 million well. house, you get the pen, the city. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Aaron Rodgers, you have those opportunities. Um, Curiously, your guy knows the backfield very well. Yep. Brees Hall was awesome last year oh, when yeah. he was on the field. He was electric. His speed was off the charts. I saw him torch the Dolphins on like a 90-yard run. The game he yeah. got hurt, he had a crazy run against the Broncos. Each running back, each guy coming off a torn ACL, you know this too, Rich. It's case by case, man. Like Saquon, it took him, you know, a full year to get back to where he was. Other guys, they're all right in six to seven months. What has Brees Hall looked like? You know, you're out of camp. I know it's not game action. It's not the same yeah. speed. But what has Brees Hall looked like uh, getting a chance to see him? Yeah, I mean, he, he looks good. And the thing about it is like, the biggest hurdle is the mental hurdle. And um, obviously, you know, I blocked for Adrian Peterson, who was a different animal, uh, tore his ACL, and then came back and rushed for 2,000 yards. Came back in like six or seven months. I mean, that's that's an anomaly. I think the biggest thing is, you know, that first contact um, and live action, those kind of things. You know, I think, I, I you know, just kind of talking, I believe that they're going to kind of slowly integrate him back into the offense. You know, I mean, there's no reason to just throw him back out there. Hence the reason why they're kind of dabbling with, you know, bringing in different running backs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this kid, man, I was – and I had him in the combine. So, you know, I'm uh, working for the NFL. And so uh, myself, Warwick Dunn, Steven Jackson, uh, Max Strong, we go to the combine every year and we get a chance to mentor all the young running backs. And this kid had it all, man. He was 
it was, I mean, I had Jonathan Taylor as well. And you're talking about like the total package from a personality standpoint, a work ethic standpoint, um, driven, like everything. So I think he's going to come back, you know, I think he's going to come back as strong, if not stronger, because most of the times, you know, these guys, and unfortunately, sometimes a lot of times, you know, guys tear their ACL and that knee is so strong and then the other one's kind of dragging and then they got to, you know, kind of get that one back up to speed. But I, I know this kid worth that work ethic and I know, you know, the way that the team values him. So I'm expecting big things out of him. I wouldn't expect to see him in in, mid, in season form and probably to like week three or week four. I can imagine like week one, you know, he's out there just, you know, tearing up like he was just because, you know, every running back I've seen go through knee injuries or different injuries when I block the priest homes and, you know, the hip and all those kind of things. It, ta- it takes time and you got to get back to that, you know, just allowing your body to just, you know, um, don't think about it so much, just allowing your body to go ahead and, and react. But I do expect a big year out of him as well. Well, that's why T-Rich, Dalvin Cook makes perfect sense, dude. Yeah, I no mean, doubt. you get him in the backfield, you can kind of ease a guy like Brees Hall back. And then if Dalvin Cook's wearing down by the second half of the year, you got this this ace in a hole. You got Brees Lightning ready to rock and roll, man. So, listen, no state income tax in Florida is nice. Yeah. He's a Miami boy. Yeah. But it, it's kind of it's weird, T-Rich. I thought he'd be a Dolphin already. Yeah. Yet he goes and visits with the Jets. And I'm like, all right, I guess he's going to the Jets. Yeah. And yet here we are, dude. It's, what, August the 10th? And you don't have a home yet. Pretty crazy. Well, well, you got to think. And it's like, and everyone was bashing, you know, Tyreek Hill, a buddy of mine. But it's the same thing. It's like he came to the Jets. He got the price up high. And then, bam, the Dolphins exceeded it. And then now he's in Miami. But it's one of those things at at this young age, for especially running backs, because, you know, I think Dalvin understands, like, you know, I was just, you know, I've been listening to all the chatter about running backs not getting paid and all that stuff. So you only have, for a running back, you only have maybe one or two more times to, to strike goal. And and that type of money is hard to leave on the table. When, like you said, when you don't have those state taxes, like Tyreek Hill and his deal, he signs that in, he signs that in New York. That's, that's like $20 million off the top. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't make that up. I mean, it's hard. I mean, you know, legally. But I mean, so you can't. I mean, that's that's tough to do. So, I, I don't knock these guys, and I, you know, obviously, I, I don't understand how you can ever deal with that. But just think about it, even in you know basketball, like you know, someone coming to the Knicks or going to the Heat, and if the money's the same, dude, you got to go. I mean, it's like you you can't. I mean, that's a lot of money, man. You start talking about having to write that check for them taxes, man. That that'll get you. So, um, if he goes to the Dolphins. I mean, one, I think it's a good situation either way, either place he goes because both, I, you know, I think the Dolphins, are, and I'm not saying it's because you, you're on the call, but I mean, they got a squad, man. Look at, the, I mean, they got two lockdown corners. And Fangio running that defense now. Yeah. That's a big pickup with the way he calls plays, dude. dude big no pickup. He's, he's blitzing off the bus. Like, good defense, shut down corners. You got two receivers. You got a, you got a quarterback. You got a, t- I mean, that it's gonna be it's, this conference. I mean, AFC, the AFC is gonna be nuts regardless. But I, I'm uh, I'm telling everyone, I'm like, dude, don't sleep on the Dolphins, man. The Dolphins are gonna slap some people in the face this year. Well, I mean, you could make a case for well, some people are gonna say New England's got a prayer, and yeah. I guess Belichick's the coach, so they're never totally dead. But T. Rich, you can make a case for Buffalo, Miami, or the Jets to go and win this division easily. Oh yeah, easily. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Buffalo, Buffalo's kind of been they've kind of been everyone's nemesis. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think for me personally, because uh, Leslie Flazier was, we were together in Minnesota. That still doesn't set well with me because I know Leslie, you know, he's a God-fearing man. 
for him just to step away like that, like, and there's no health issues, I think there's something going on there. I don't know what it Interesting. is. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think there's something there. And you start to see the stuff that's going on with the receiver and the quarterback and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I, I don't know. There's something brewing there. I'm not quite sure what it is. But like you said, I do think that, um, you know, any of the four teams in our division can win it. And uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a good year. Is it weird for you now? And you have a lot of time. Yeah. Your years in Kansas City. And you played on good Chiefs teams. I mean, you went on a Chief team that was number one seed, Trent Green, Priest Holmes. You guys could put up some points. But, Tony, they went from being like the tortured franchise, right? Yeah. Like they could never win the big game. Dude, now they're the class of the NFL because of number 15 and Andy Reid. Like they are the gold. Right now, if you're talking about gold standing in the NFL, the gold standing in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. I mean, I think there was some statistic. I think they've been to eight, the last eight AFC championship games. You know how, cra- you know how crazy that is? It's been like some crazy number. And you start to think like, like, like you said, the difference that a quarterback makes because, you know, I mean, they got Pacheco from Rutgers. Next thing you know, this dude's a Hall of Fame. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just like plug and play. And it's like, you know, Travis Kelsey is unstoppable. I mean, he he has a, a mind. Obviously, he's a former quarterback. And the way them two work together is just insane. But it's just interesting because it's like, okay, all right, we're going to let, you know, Tyreek Hill go. The offense is going to go down. No, what do they do? They go in and win a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, what they've been able to accomplish, and they're not done. And that's the crazy part about it is, like, they're still just adding pieces and putting stuff together, and you lose your office coordinator and the enemy. He's in Washington pissing people off. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. If you people are like, oh, my coach is too mean. I'm like, dude, I, I, I got to tell you this. I went to practice the other day, and they were doing inside run. It sounded like I got pillows right here, dude. It sounded like a pillow fight. I'm like, what are we doing? I'm like, Dude, one-a-day practices, and they're like, practice is an hour and a half. I'm like, man, I came in the league, and I'm surprised, and I'm, I still knock on wood. I don't have any wood around me. That I'm still got all my faculties together. Dude, rookie year, Dallas Cowboys, Austin, Texas, 110 degrees every day, full pads, twice a day, 30 Two a day. Great. No, Marty Schottenheimer, God rest his soul, lunatic. Two, two a days, every day, Gunther Cunningham, God rest his soul. Dude, I'm like, dude, we, we didn't even, I didn't even, the first time I saw Shells is when we went to the Vikings and we were patting them like, 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 dude, we're like, you free. What is this? What is this? And I'm like, dude, I'm talking about for Rex, uh, Rex was cool. Vermeil was out of his mind. Dude, we were three, we went two days. I'm talking about, so 17 training camps, 30 days each. I spent a year and a half of my life in training camp. Just bang. That's crazy. Year, year and and that's why when you guys probably go to practice, Tony, and you see these guys belly aching about their schedule, you're like, I don't want to hear this shit, dude. dude Be we, quiet. Dude, we were getting, they were doing two-minute drill, and the offense was about to score whatever. They blew the whistle. Call it up. You can't even finish. Like, you got to be off the field by 12 o'clock. They started 10-15. I'm like, what are we doing? I'm like, dude, we had, we'd be in practice. Marty Schottenheimer, we'd be an hour and a half in. And people are lollygagging and messing around or whatever. It started over from stretch. And we're like, stretch? Dude, we would start the whole practice over from stretch. And we'd be out there three and a half hours. Go shower, take an hour nap, back out there again. Two and a half more hours. So, yeah, I was like, I was blown away. I'd still be playing now if we had these type of rules. <laughs> right, listen, and that's why you're seeing quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers find their way into their 40s. Oh, yeah, because yeah. Because of not getting the way the NFL is no. now as yeah. opposed to the way the NFL was like <laughs> 20 years lay, ago. Let you know? him down. Let me put a pillow under his head. Give him some water. Don't hit the quarterback. <laughs> exactly. Just give yeah. him that red jersey and he's good to go. Um, Think back on it now, Tony. 
as we watch Hard Knocks, and you were a part of, I think, the best season of Hard yeah. Knocks in the history of the show, the year the Jets were on it. What was like your big takeaway with those cameras being around you and the team, like day after day after day? Did it get to a point where you like felt like they weren't there, or does it really have an impact on things as you go through a training camp? Well, it had an impact on me because I don't know if a lot of people remember um, that hardness. I was a feature, so I was just telling the story the other day that all we draft. So Rex calls me up and he was like, "Hey, T. Rich." We just want to let you know we're going to draft a fullback. So they drafted John Connor out of Kentucky. Oh, the Terminator. Yeah, I remember yeah. it well. Yeah, so, yeah, of course. So Rex was like, hey, you're still playing at a high level. Um, you know, um, you know, we know you can't play forever. I think I was in year 16 going into 17 or whatever. And um, and so he was like, uh, okay, so all offseason, he's number two. I'm number one. He didn't take one first-team rep. We get to training camp. Shotty calls me in the office. Hey, T. Rich, um, cameras and everything. He was like, hey, just want to let you know that, you know, you and uh, Connor are going to be battling for the fullback position. Like, whoa, what did, like, when did this happen? Like, they didn't tell me nothing. So all of a sudden, they're portraying it like, and John Connor was knocking the fire out of people like crazy. My mom's calling me up because, you know, we don't, we can't watch it. Like, I, we're in meetings. Mom's calling me up. She's like, hey, baby, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Are you going to make the team? I was like, well, shoot, I don't know. Dude, I was like a feature. So week in and week out, like night in and night out, whenever it came on, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, it's going to be kind of hard to keep to you. I'm like, dude, when, are you just going to let me notice how hard knocks? So my, my year was played out. So, you know, both of us, in the, that was the year Revis was holding out. So Rex had called me up and I can share this now. Rex had said, hey, T-Rex, um, we're going to have to let you go for one day and to make room for Revis because we were trying to uh, hide someone on uh, on the active roster, like some receiver they wanted to put on practice squad. And since I was a veteran, I couldn't be on practice squad. So he was like, hey, take the night off. Dude, I went to like, um, I think I went to Nobu or something. Kicked nice. It great time. Actually, it was crazy because that's when uh, I actually hung out with uh, with uh, A-Rod because that's when he was going for the uh, the batting championship or something like that. Wow, that's right. He was going for 600. 600 home runs. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was that same year. And so we were, uh, had dinner and everything else, and we're chatting it up. He was like, dude, why? I was like, dude, I I only had to go to practice for two days. So kicked it, right? And and so then, you know, ended up, I made the team. Well, we both ended up making the team. But, you know, it kind of like, it gave me more love in New York because obviously it was big time. But it was interesting because Woody Johnson is quoted as saying, he's like, man, look at this guy, Tony Richardson. Here he is battling for his position, but yet still, you know, he's helping this young guy. Because I'm like, listen, every year I was in the league, me and Eric Coleman just did a thing together uh, the other day. Dude, every year I was in the league, they drafted a fullback. I would tell the organization, like, dude, you can go ahead and waste that draft choice. He's going to get cut. You know what I mean? He ain't going to every year. I was undrafted. And I was like, dude, that, I don't know why you drafted. Every year they drafted Omar Easy when I was with the Chiefs, Penn State. They brought in Gerard Bunch, first round uh, out, of, out of the Giants my year. Got him. I ain't going to say ASS. Got him up out of there. Uh, Donnell Bennett, when I got to the Chiefs, he was a second-round pick. Got him up out of there. Like, every every fullback that ever tried to compete, I'm like, bring him in. I'm going to kick. They're going to use his wasted money. So they brought him in, and, and I got Connor in there playing four years in the league. So, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> and the rest, as they say, in the 2010 season is history. And I, I guess it's fair to say, Tony, for anybody who is saying, oh, it's a distraction. Wow. It can weigh a team down. It didn't weigh you guys down. You guys were one away from a freaking Super Bowl. You know, it's interesting because, like, I think by – it was a lot for me just because they, they would come in and, like, the cameras would come in the room. Hey, is Revis here? Revis here? Or Rex would be like, hey, T-Rex, where's Revis? Where's Revis? So that – you know, there was cameras. But, dude, there was, like, 
we'd be walking to practice and you'd look down into like the grate, the sewage grate. Cameraman's sitting right there. So probably by like wow. day, by day no two, escape. Nah, they were everywhere, bro. Like, and you could, but you can kind of control, like, you know, like if you're on the phone with your girlfriend or your wife or something like that, you can say, hey, no, no, no. You know what I mean? Like, so they, they were very they give you the privacy. Yeah, I they understand. were respectful. Like, you're not going to see, I guarantee you, not, they're never going to have a camera in Aaron Rodgers' room. And, you know, I mean, they might. He might let them in. Like, some guys, like, you know, like I was a veteran, so I decked my room out. I had rookies go get, like, uh, I got a, I had a Lazy Boy chair. I made him go get me a different mattress. I had all my stuff. So I, had, I was like, my room was like, I had a plant. I was like, dude, if I'm going to be in camp, you know, and I'm like, and I'm like, at that time I was 30. Shoot, I was 39. I'm over here 39. And you guys are up in, and you guys are up in Corlin that in year. Corlin, but I'm 39 years old and I can't leave my room after 10 o'clock. <laughs> like, like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, you imagine 39 years old and I can't even, dude, I couldn't, you couldn't even walk outside because of curfew. So I'm like, dude, I'm 39. I can't even leave my room. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my room. I had wine shipped in. So my guy, this, uh, um, that, uh, ran the, uh, wine store in Long Island City. Shit me like a box of wine. I had wine in my room, wine glasses. I'm like, dude, I'm a grown, I'm a grown man. Like, and so Rex was cool, man. He was like, you know, T Rich. I mean, I would never go sneak out or nothing like that. First of all, you're in Cortland, so there's nowhere to go. I just say, where are you going? Yeah, yeah. Doug's I just say, what the Dark Horse Tavern? I think that's the big bar down there. I don't well, even know. Yeah, Doug's fish fry too. Doug's fish fry was legit. That fish market. <laughs> but outside of that, dude, there was nowhere to go. But I'm like, dude, I can't. I that's. When I knew it was time for me to leave training camp, leave the league, and I'm like, I'm 39 years old, I can't even leave my room. <laughs> and I'm like, and I was cool with all the coaches because all the co- we were the same age. I'm just as old as my running back coach was A. Lynn. I was just as old as A. Lynn. I mean, we're just the same age. So yeah, yeah, it was cool though. Tony Richardson, thank you for a few minutes. Always. Here's what I need: I need a foursome golf round. Me, you, Kenny from Staten Island, yeah. and Beningo. Who's the, who's the stick though? Who's the stick? You the stick or who's uh, a Beningo? Uh, I, dude, I'm hitting bombs these days. Oh, yeah. My <laughs> irons suck. My yeah. iron. I figured out the driver. Now I can't hit an iron to save my life. But I mean, if you're, uh, if, I would hope if you're playing with us, you're going to be able to contribute a little bit. Here. Well, you know what's so crazy? So um, you're the athlete, not no, me. Not too many people even notice, but I've actually moved. So I don't live in Long Island City no more. But I moved to. Well, I could tell. I could tell you. So I moved to Jersey City. So crazy enough, I don't know if you're. Well, you definitely remember because you're in sports. The um, Stefferson from the New Jersey Devils. Uh, he was my neighbor. He just signed a gazillion dollar, like some $60 million deal. But anyway, so in, now in my building, dude, they just put a golf simulator in there. No oh, one you better get some work in, bro. It's, it's get some work in. Let's it's go. open 24 hours a day. I got zero excuse. A full golf. This thing is like, I don't even know. This thing's like 30 grand. Full and listen, I know you got a busy with, schedule. I know with yeah. the NFL and the Jets hey, and I got all the no you got going on. Listen, hey. late night, little vino. <laughs> Hit the simulator so that way you're hitting 300-yard drives, okay? Hey, I got no excuse. If my game ain't up to par, I mean, I can go down there at 2 in the morning, take the ball, and just – I can go whack out golf balls, like – and it's, like, it's quiet, it's padded, there's sound. You could go play any course. You could play uh, Pebble Beach. Dude, them golf simulators are insane. So, I, next time I'm on the course, we I promise we could get that done. I like the sound of that. That's Tony Richardson. He had a terrific career in the NFL. He's nice enough to give us a few minutes. Dude. Bringing a full circle, you and the Terminator on Hard Knocks. Hard I can't knocks. believe I forgot about it. Dude, that, go back, and, dude, go back and watch it. And it's just I might like, have to, dude. It's just like and I'm sitting, and I, you know, I don't, we can't, you know, I watch Hard Knocks. I got to get my butt to bed to get up the next morning. But yeah, it was like my mom was like, yeah, they were pretty much saying that it's gonna be a numbers. So I'm just like, okay, here's it. And this dude was knocking. He was knocking. Dude, he no, was, he was, he was a badass. Dude. He was a badass. <laughs> no dude, doubt. The reason why you get the name Terminator. 
So he was knocking people out. But the thing about it was like, I, I was helping him because like, sometimes they call 14s to the right, he'd go to the left and I'm like, yeah, you're going to get someone killed. So uh, I was, I, you know, I got him lined up, got him in the right. And, and at that point in my career, um, uh, a running back coach, um, Anthony Lynn, after practice, he'd be like, hey, T. Rich, you go work with the fullbacks. And so he would let me coach the position. So, you know, so I was still helping him out and, you know, everything else. And, you know, but I'm still battling for my position. And, um, you know, so I guess the rest is history. 17, three years. I think I think he got three. I think one or two years with the Jets and then one with the Giants. And I think he was out. Yeah, yeah I'll take your career. Just saying. No knock terminator. I'll take your career. All right, T. Rich. Thanks, right, buddy. Bro. I'll see you soon. Anytime, bro. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. That was a ton of fun with Tony Richardson. And it just goes to show you what you remember and what you don't remember. I remember Rex on Hard Knocks. I remember the Revis situation on Hard Knocks. I remember Cromartie and all his kids on Hard Knocks. I totally blanked on the fullback competition. And I remember the Terminator, John Connor, but I never really like entertained the idea that it was a competition with he and Tony Richardson. Now that like has me wanting to go and rewatch the 2009 version of Hard Knocks, but 2010. I do remember Danny Woodhead, too, who, of course, ended up getting caught and went to the Patriots and was fantastic with the Patriots. So that was a great season of Hard Knocks. That was a lot of fun. Tony Richardson's a really good guy. He's such a well-spoken guy. I've had a lot of dealings with him over the years, and he could not be any nicer. He is, like, such a likable, likable guy. So I'm glad we had a few minutes with him. All right. Larry, your trivia last week was anything but uh, generous. It did not have me feeling that your likability levels were all too high. I love you. I love you. But you kicked my ass last week. So I hope you dial it back a little bit on me. I did not have a perfect immaculate grid today because I uh, I blanked on Philadelphia, Philly, Colorado, Rocky. Went with Joe Blanton. Big fat loser. Loser. Anyway, four is yours. Uh, trivia time. What's your... JJ, Larry. Two trivia. Here we go. Acuna's got a 25-homer, 50-steal season right now. Who was the last guy to do that? 
Number question two is, what starting quarterback last year had the best TD to interception ratio? I'm out. All right. Let's start with the football one. I'm in football mode. So let's start with the starting quarterback who had the best touchdown to interception ratio. I'm going to start with Philadelphia's Jalen Hurts. And I'm 0 for 1 right out of the gate. Best touchdown to interception ratio. Jalen Hurts was guess one. Uh, guess two. My guy, Tua. It's not Tua. Okay. Best touchdown to interception ratio. Um, let's go with the obvious. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yikes. Yikes, 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 yikes. But I'm thinking about guys who didn't throw a ton of picks last year. Josh Allen is out. He threw way too many interceptions. Mac Jones is out. Pickett didn't throw enough. Best touchdown to interception ratio. Kirk Cousins. Damn. Actually, I think we're missing one that's kind of obvious. Daniel Jones. No. Wow. Named like half the freaking quarterbacks in the league. Steph, is this an obvious answer, yay or nay? Not an obvious answer. So I'm it's not, not mad, obvious at, not mad okay. at you for not getting it. But when you think of this guy, think of a guy who had a resurgence season. I'm glad you said Daniel Jones. Think of another guy who had a resurgent season last year. Okay. I appreciate that hint. Resurgent season. I gave out Tua. Daniel Jones, no. Jalen Hurts, no. Geno Smith. He did have a resurgent season. Trevor Lawrence. Oh, my goodness. Baker Mayfield? I mean, holy smokes. Who am I whiffing on? I'm taking one more guess, then you're going to just give me the answer. Resurgent season. Justin Fields. I have no idea. Who the hell is it? Jared Goff. Oh, yeah. I should have known that. That pisses me off. Good job, Steph. That's a good job. And your hint was very accurate. Very, very, very accurate. Mm. Okay. The last guy, 25-50. 
25 bombs, 50 stolen bases. Who was the last guy to do it? Acuna has done it this year. You got to think of guys who steal a shit ton of bases. Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm. Correct. I mean, I am. My, my trivia game is just taking a turn for the worst. 25-50. Got to steal a lot of bases. Got to steal a lot of bases. Mike Trout. I mean, I'm like a beaten man. Steph, within the last 20 years? Yeah, definitely. Last 20 years, this actually happened within... The year would help, actually. You could give me the year. I could give you the year. The year was 2007. See, it doesn't help much. That's why I wanted you to give me the year, because I could think about who's good, who is a big-time player in 2007. Oh, I have a guess. Alfonso Soriano. Mm. Nope. So much for that. Told you I had a guess. The steals are what make it really complicated. I'm like going through in my head. A-Rod didn't steal a ton of bases then. He's out. Griffey, at that point, his career is kind of done. Two thousand and seven. Oh, my goodness! Jimmy Rollins. He did have a great two thousand and seven. I believe he won the MVP that year. That's not a bad guess. Uh, was I on the right track there, Steph? National League player? Definitely on the right track with a National League player. This guy was a little bit young at this time, but he ended up being, he ended up having a pretty decent career. He played for a long time, had a decent career, National League player. And I'll give this to you as well, National League East guy as well at that time. Hmm. National League East. Good career. Jose Reyes. He didn't hit for enough power. National League East. Justin Upton. Oh, my goodness. It's nobody else on the Phillies. It's nobody on the Mets. Oh, taking one last stab at this, and then I'm waving the white flag. Is it Jason Worth? Mm. Who the hell is this, Stefan? Hanley Ramirez. Net, dude, that just goes to show you how your perception of a player can change over time. You don't even remember Hanley Ramirez as a shortstop. You don't even remember Hanley Ramirez as a guy who stole a lot of bases because at the end of his career, the guy gained 50 pounds and basically tried to be a poor man's version of Manny Ramirez. Killing the Yankees, hitting bombs, dogging it out of the box. Like, didn't... But early in his career, he was a speedster. 
Larry, once again, you dominated me. You kicked my ass. I will own it. I will take it like a man. I will talk to you next week. Wow. Simply pathetic. Hanley Ramirez. Good job by Larry. All right. Money, before we say goodbye, Friday card. I don't know if you're getting into preseason football. If you are, God bless you. I am not. But uh, what do we got? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper. Pictures of me for Friday the 11th. But before I give my baseball pick, I know your last pod, you were talking about a futures in the NFL. So I got an NFL divisional winner now. I'm going to hit based on the NFC East. The last time we had a back-to-back winner was 2004. So I'm going to go with the uh, strategy on that. And I'm going to lay off the back-to-back. So that was the Eagles. So I'm not taking the Eagles. I'm going to go with my Cowboys to win the division plus 175. So to win the NFCs, the Cowboys plus 175 in the future best. As far as the baseball game for Friday, I'm going to go take the Toronto Blue Jays minus the 120 over the Chicago Cubs. So let's see what you got on your end, J.J., and everyone can all, always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Listen, I like the logic going with Dallas. Dallas has tremendous talent on defense. They bring in a couple of veterans that should help, like Brandon Cook should complement their team. Guy like Gilmore should complement their team. Comes down to what you're going to get out of Dak Prescott. And Dallas has proven they can get to the playoffs. The question is, can they win it in the playoffs under McCarthy and under Dak? They won a game last year against Tampa, and then they fell apart in San Francisco because their offense was not good enough. They're kind of reaching now or never stage. I don't hate that play to win a division at all. Um, I have one for you. It's an under. AFC West. The Raiders are going to be dreadful. They're clearly the worst team in the division. I have no confidence that Garoppolo gets through a full year. And I think the coach is a flat-out loser. They have all the makings of a team that flat-out quits on Josh McDaniels at the end of the year. I am on board with the Raiders. And it's an under six-and-a-half wins. Thank me later. I've given you Falcons to win the division. I've given you Browns to win the division. Now I'm giving you your first over-under for the year. Raiders, under. Six and a half wins. We'll be back on Sunday night. I don't know when we're going to release the podcast yet. We may not wait until Sunday night baseball. It's going to depend on my mood. We'll uh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but we'll have some preseason football to react to. Uh, unfortunately, we'll have more Yankee baseball to react to. I, I can't wait for the football season. I'm already counting down the days. Get me through August 25th, and then get me to week one. Jets Bills, Giants Cowboys, Dolphins Chargers, and away we go. All right, Steph, good job as always. Thanks to Tony Richardson. We'll be back on Sunday, and we are going to unveil next week the beginning of our top 15 New York athlete list, which always leads to great debate and chatter, and I get nasty messages on Twitter or on X. I mean, who knows what I'm going to get this year? Two years ago, all the hockey people hated me. Then last year, I put way too many hockey guys on the top 15. And I don't even remember what the critique was. Somebody had a problem with one of my lists. Everyone always seems to have a problem with my list, which is good. That's why I do it. Because I get under your skin, I get you to react, which is what I get paid to do. Uh, But you'll probably have a problem with something. That's the way it goes. But that's coming up 15 to 10 next Thursday, 10 to 5 next Sunday, and then 5 to 1 right before the wedding. 
So that will be a nice little parting gift, our New York Top 15, uh, as I close out officially single. So want to throw that out there. All right, we're out. Enjoy your weekend. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus in present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or... Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9 within Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call one 800 327 5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.